Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, Harvest Belante shares a story about the end of a young relationship. To take us back for a moment, I need to give everybody a little bit of background information about kind of who I was in adolescence. And um, first thing that is kind of integral to this story is how I was raised. And I was raised by a very wonderful single mother, uh, wonderful woman who had uh, basically after 18 years of marriage with my father and, and one too many affairs, when that relationship finally dissolved, uh, she decided to focus all of her time and energy on raising my brother and I, which is a, a great thing to do. Uh, that being said, she left sort of all of her dating and romance herself back to a, to a time before I was even born. And so I, I sort of grew up, the lens through which I was raised was a rather naive sort of perspective on things. I didn't have, I wasn't up on the, the current dating lingo or any sort of relationship um, you know, models that other kids might have grown up with. And I also, of course, was also heavily influenced by um, television and movies because that is kind of my thing. As Brendan mentioned, I, I teach screenwriting. So I love movies. That's what I studied. And I, when people my own age make references to things like um, uh, Saved by the Bell, for example, I don't know what they're talking about. I was busy watching Little House on the Prairie, and Anne of Green Gables, these were kind of my, my biggest shows back then. And the, the height of all romance movies, mid-adolescence, that was um, When Harry Met Sally. If anybody has, has seen that movie or is familiar, that's what I spent a lot of time watching. So Sally Albright, oh, this, these were my, my heroines. And so through this lens, I approached middle school. And just to give you an idea of kind of how naive and how much this affected me, um, the very first boy that ever asked me out, Josh Parrott, I, I come running home and I was all excited. And I was like, Mom, you know, I got asked out today. And she's like, oh, that's great. When are you going out? I said, I don't know. I'm so excited, though. And so I kind of proceeded the rest of the week to go through school as per usual and say hi. Hi, Josh. Hi, everybody. And I'm just waiting. I'm I don't know when this date is going to happen, but, like, I'm, I'm just waiting. And it wasn't until about a week later that Jordan Townsend Moreno heads up the field and finds me at recess and hands me a note. And, you know, this was before text messaging, so I get to un undo my little note that's all folded out, all cool. And it just says, you know, Dear Harvest, I don't think we should go out anymore, Josh. And I'm looking at it, and I'm – but – Okay, wait, I, I don't understand. We, we never went out. We haven't gone out. I'm still waiting for the date. At which point, Jordan, thankfully, kind of explained to me, Harvest, when someone asks you out, like, that means you're going to go, you're going to walk around, you're going to hold hands, like your boyfriend, girlfriend. What the hell is this going steady thing that you're talking about? This is true. I kid you not. I, so I was expecting, because of my mom and the fact that dating stopped for her, like, around the 60s, I was expecting to be asked to go steady if, if I was going to be asked out. And I had no idea. I, I learned a lot that day, thank you, Jordan, and I kind of started to learn modern relationships. So that's, that sets the stage. That's how naive I was back then. And uh, when I, to start this story, I need to say that um, it was when I, later that year, I believe, I first saw um, Mark Nibby, 
And I'm actually, I'm using real names as I realize this now. So um, much like our first, <laughs> uh, hopefully these people will find it entertaining, but if they ever, um, but I, well, oh well, you know, much like our first presenter, if the Canadian is going to come after people, um, I, I don't know. As, as many of you probably did, I cyberstalked the hell out of everyone that I ever dated when Facebook came out. So I don't, I don't think that these people have much of an online presence that I've discovered, so I think it should be fine. Um, so we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but, but anyway, so I see Mark for the first time. I'm on a citizenship excursion, which again sounds like something that Donald Trump would put together these days to lure little Mexican kids back to back to their home but um but no this was actually something in middle school where if you were a good citizen like throughout the year you got to go bowling so I see this guy and I meet him and um I don't I don't not much of an impression at the time we didn't really know each other he's a little older than I was but I I liked this sounds weird I really liked he had these like white high top very clean sneakers on there's something highly erotic about those white high-top <laughs> sneakers. And so I, 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 I had him in my mind, I guess. Um, it wasn't until the following year that I actually got to know him a little bit better, and much better, in fact, because we were both cast in the school play. So we became friends. Not sure exactly how this happened. We became friends. We, um, what would start to happen is anytime we weren't rehearsing our scenes, we would just go start walking around the basketball courts, walking and talking, walking and talking. And it, it got to be a, kind of an unspoken thing. He would catch my eye across the room and kind of like nod, gesture, and I'd go follow, and we'd walk, and we'd talk. And by the end of that year, I was definitely in love with this guy, a absolutely. Um, and I was worried because he was about to go to the newly built high school. They had just built this new high school. He was going to go there, and I was still in middle school. So kind of I very brazenly... If you guys will remember this, I wrote the illustrious um, KIT in my yearbook. So what is KIT? Keep in touch. Thank you. See, before text messaging, yes. So I did the KIT, and I wrote my number, and I, you know, just threw, sent, sent it out there. Okay, there you go. And uh, lo and behold, oddly enough, the school year ended, and that summer, suddenly my phone rang, and it's Mark. And that kind of started our, the next phase of our relationship, which is like the phone conversations. Um, this was, of course, before texting. This was exciting back then. I know nowadays we're like, we are in 24-hour contact with people. Back then it wasn't like that. So it was kind of cool. We, we would just have these long two-hour, three-hour conversations on the phone. And it would just be random. I never knew when he was going to call, but, like, instinctively, I would kind of wake up one morning and I'd know, oh, I think, I think Mark's going to call that day. And, and sure enough, he, he would. So we would talk. And, um, you know, we, it never progressed any further. We were both idiots, that, absolute idiots. Um, I remember vividly, like, conversations about um, when Beauty and the Beast came out tells you how long ago this was, but it was like, oh, I want to see Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah, I want to see that too. Oh, yeah, I want to see that for like a month, this exchange back and forth. No one ever had the balls to be like, hey, maybe we should go see this movie together. So this is basically what we're up against. And I would still see him from time to time um, at at the, the plays because he and my brother, my brother being older as well, they were, they were still in the school plays. So I would see him occasionally. 
And it really wasn't until a, a one sort of epic night that I considered that our relationship changed a little, and that was um, the night of the cast party for the play that they were in. My brother was holding the cast party at his house. They were doing, they were doing a slumber party. Guys at my brother's house, my house, and girls at Heidi's house. And so I remember watching from the stairwell all the guys um, you know, getting their bags packed up with toilet paper because, of course, they were going to go over to Heidi's house and that was going to be the fun thing. They were going to surprise the girls in toilet paper, um, their house. And the girls were no fools, my God. They saw that coming a mile away. So it was like an hour and a half later that all the guys come running back to the house and they are covered head to toe in baby powder because <laughs> the girls had been laying in wait at the second story window just dumping baby powder <laughs> down on them. So it was pretty, pretty good. So... Um, so by that point, everybody gets back to the house. Everyone's awake, of course. My mom is now downstairs having to, to kind of stand at the door and assess each young man as he comes in. Okay, yes, you're clean enough. You can come sit on the couch. Yes, come on in. So every, all the guys get cleaned off. And I'm, I'm awake now, so I'm like, you know, um, maybe I could stay up and watch the movie that, that um, the guys are going to watch. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. They were going to watch Pet Cemetery. Has anyone seen that before? <laughs> like, okay, I'm not a horror movie person. This was not a good idea for me. Um, but I was like, yeah, you know, I'd like to watch it. And the guys go, sure, that's, she's cool, that's fine. So I sort of conveniently uh, place myself at the couch next to Mark. And I go up, and actually I had my flannel with me. I grab my flannel because I knew that I'm going to be watching this thing like from, from half with the, with the flannel covering half my face the whole time. Um, you guys remember the Rachel kind of sister part? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so, so the, we're all having fun. Everybody's enjoying the movie. And, um, but it was what was going on underneath the flannel that was so exciting. And, <laughs> no, see, uh, that was, all right, see, now that was actually a test. I was like, I'm going to see where their level is. Guess what? That's, that was not what was happening. I'm very, you have to remember how innocent I was. You are sick and you need to come, come take, take your minds out of the gutter. That was not going on. No, what was happening, remember, we're talking Anne of Green Gables here. So I, I'm, I'm sitting there and what started to happen under the flannel is that every so often, you know, scary part would come up and I would feel this hand grab my hand. And it was Mark, of course, he's next to me. And, uh, and then what started happening was about halfway through the movie, it wasn't even during the scary parts anymore. So like we were holding hands throughout the movie under the, under the flannel, you know, under the, the cover of night. And that was very exciting to me. This was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And so um, we, we held hands the whole movie. And I went upstairs because, of course, I had to let the guys do their thing and, and have their night. And I, I can still tell you probably... I am sure, actually, that somewhere in my, um, in my boxes for my old house, that flannel probably remains packed somewhere to this day because I took that flannel off and I, I put it in the farthest reaches of my closet because it's like it, it smelled like baby powder and love, and I was like, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not going to ever wash this flannel again or wear it or anything. So I'm sure it's there, actually. Um, I, I think that's how I knew things had changed a little bit between us. And 
definitely the energy had shifted. And it was not lost on either of us, I'm sure, that the year was coming to an end. The following year, I would actually be in high school. He would also be in high school on the same campus. I could be a freshman with a junior boyfriend and I could have someone to go to football games with and, you know, walk around and hold hands and go to prom. And this was like, this was like everything I had ever wanted. This was very exciting to me. So we had a few more phone conversations. And towards the end of the year, I remember it was his birthday. And I said, um, hey, I have this card for you. I, at that time, I walked, my middle school was here, my mom's school was here, and I would walk home every day after school to, to go get a ride back with her. So his house happened to be right smack in the middle. I said, you know, I could stop off and set, give that card to you, you know, since I had this birthday card. Sure. So I'm, I'm walking by, and, I, and he's waiting out in the driveway. And so um, we stood there for, for a while and talked, talking. It's like the, the name of the game here. So we're talking and we're talking. And of course, this again was kind of the golden age of, of not having cell phones. When I think about it now, it was really nice to not have anyone distracting. You could never get away with that today. Everyone, you know, my mom would be texting going, where are you? Where are you? Um, so it was kind of fun to like just be able to, to um, play naive. Oh, sorry, time got away from me, you know. <laughs> so, um, so I really scared her, actually, because I was standing there talking for at least an hour. And as the conversation was wrapping up, I was getting ready to go. Okay, better take off. My mom's probably worried. And he says, he kind of straightens up, and he turns very red. And he says, okay, I love you, bye. I know. And so, okay. Now, I am not exaggerating when I, when I deliver that line. That is absolutely the delivery. That fast, that tempo. Um, and I realize, and you probably all sit there and you realize too, because you're adults and you go, well, yeah, 15 years old, what's the guy supposed to do? I mean, this is, this is the first time he's ever saying this. Of course, he just wants to get it the hell out and just say it and be done. So it makes sense. You have to understand, though, again, in my mind, I'm, I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm kind of like, what? Wait, what? What did he say? Wait, um, you know, where's, where's the balloons? Where's the confetti? Where's the list of all the things he likes about me? And the sweeping kiss, and, you know, because this, when Harry met Sally, like, this, this moment is not that. That's not what I'm experiencing. And so I froze completely, and I, my mind went blank, and I wish that I had said anything other than what I said, but I looked at him, and I very coldly just kind of shrugged, and I was like, you're weird. <laughs> yes, yes. And I said, well, you know, see you later. So I, I head up the hill and go back home, and I think I, I did think about that um, as the days followed, and, and of course you're, you're probably thinking, well, at some point my brain, you know, clicked in and I realized the, the damage I had done, and the reality was I was just, I was too naive. I, I sincerely thought, well, we do love each other. We're crazy about each other, no question. We're going to be on the same campus next year. He's going to realize that he just didn't say it right. Like, that, that'll just kind of make sense. And, like, we, we'll just talk about it, and we'll figure this all out. 
And I never addressed it. I was too nervous. I never addressed it. Um, and I, and it just became something that, that gouged kind of more and more distance um, between us, wedged more distance between us. And I didn't really want to even acknowledge the fact that our phone calls became less frequent. And sure enough, by the next year, he was going out with Lindsay Hutchinson when I got to school. And I, so I think I was able to justify in my head. I was just like, oh, okay, well, that, that was just all in my head anyways. Yeah, he probably, yeah, he didn't like me that much. It's, it's okay. Um, so I, I regret that to this day that I never actually told him how I felt or, or even apologized for telling him how weird he was. And I, I say, so I told, I tell this story um, not because, you know, well, it actually, by the way, it does have a happy ending. Love does triumph. I don't want everyone to go out here and, and be sad. Love actually does, does triumph and win out. Um, not for me, mind you, but for, because <laughs> no, I got what I deserved for being a cold-hearted bitch, <laughs> but, um, no, for him, he did quite well. He, uh, from what I understood, um, when we graduated, I, I did hear years later that he, majored in biochemical engineering, got a job at Tesla, um, lives, lives, lives in La Jolla, San Diego, California, has a beautiful classical singer wife. I mean, pretty much the epitome of the one you don't let get away. That's the one that I was like, Psh, see you later. Um, <laughs> you're, you're not. So, you know, meanwhile, I have, you know, done really well, and I've dated a lot, but I have dated actually some like really wonderful alcoholics, and they are like really, and it's always like exciting and fun, and you never know if you're, where your money is, and um, you know, so, so I've gotten what I deserve for that, but basically, so I, I, I feel like, I always tell my students, you know, there needs to be a moral, your, your main character does need to learn something, right, at the end of their stories, there has to be a transformation, so I'm going to give you two morals, actually, tonight, two for the price of run. Um, the first one is the easy one, and that is, in essence, just what we all know. It's, this is the easy one, the carpe diem, seizing the day. I, I, I look around, and I feel like we are in a very crazy, nuts society right now. So if, there is a, if you are not expressing love to someone that you should be, then you have no excuse. Like tonight... You may use tonight as your excuse. You may use this story. When we get out of here, you can go not text but call someone and say, hey, by the way, I just realized, like, this girl fucked up her life at 13, so I, I don't want that to happen. I need to, I need to tell you how I feel. Use that. You've got this. You've got New Year's. Like, it's a, it's a one-two punch. Like, oh, I want to start fresh. Whatever. This is your opportunity. Um, so, so that's the first moral. The second one is one that I think, hopefully, I don't know if we can all identify with this a little bit. I know I certainly can. And that is the ability to sort of let our, our former selves rest a little bit. Um, we, I need to let my 13-year-old self, I need to not hold her accountable for the knowledge that I have today. Because, sadly, she will never measure up. I wish she would. I, I, you know, you think about that, and I want to shake her, and I want to yell at her. But it, she just didn't realize it, and it took me a long time for things to sink in. I am one of those people, and maybe you are as well, that uh, sort of really 
overanalyzes and overanalyzes and berates my former self for all sorts of decisions I've made. And not that I don't believe that we need to certainly learn from our mistakes. We need to analyze. We need to analyze. We need to learn. But then, if any of you are struggling with this too, we need to kind of collectively just breathe in and leave all that negative talk um, that belongs where it belongs out in the cold. So thank you. If you'd like to come out and tell a story like this one, or just see the show live, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you'll find a list of upcoming shows, submission and contact forms, and more Storyteller podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.